heck yes, nurses need to run for office. They need to uh, be advocates. They need to be activists. They need to stand up. Nurses uh, must pay attention to politics because politics is certainly paying attention to nursing. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa Donato, And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Pennsylvania State Senator Maria Collette has spent her entire career in the service of others. As a clerk in family court, then deputy attorney general in Camden County, she worked tirelessly to protect children and advocate for families. Her experience inspired her to seek out a more direct way to positively impact people. After graduating from Drexel University, she began her career as a nurse, eventually working in trauma, long-term care, and pediatric home health. In 2018, she was elected to the Pennsylvania State Senate, representing Senate District 12. Today, we talk to the senator about her journey, her drive to advocate for the citizens of Pennsylvania, and the responsibility nurses have to use their collective voice in political discourse. Senator Collette, thank you so much for talking with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I'd love to start out just by learning more about your background um, and what led you, because you have two different degrees. You have a degree in law and a nursing degree, which I always find fascinating when nurses have (laughs) multiple educational lenses to draw from. Um, So I'd love to hear more about just your upbringing and then your path um, to those two educational degrees. Sure. So, you know, uh, you're right. I do have sort of a varied uh, background. And uh, after college, I went to law school. I had always been really interested in advocacy work and really trying to figure out a way to help specifically women and children. That was the, the area that I really wanted to focus on. And there were so many areas that um, I knew I could go into, but law seemed to be a place where I felt I could make a, a real significant impact. And so I applied to law school, went to law school, was very happy afterward to uh, do a clerkship in family court. It felt like just the place I wanted to be. I was learning about child custody issues, learning about uh, the issues surrounding families uh, and uh, abuse and neglect, those kinds of things. And then from there, I transitioned to a role as a deputy attorney general in New Jersey and specifically in Camden County, New Jersey, where I represented uh, the state in um, abuse and neglect cases. So when a child was removed from a home uh, for uh, allegations of abuse or neglect, I would represent the state. That was always the the lens that I approached my work uh, from. And occasionally I did participate in um, cases where we did terminate parental rights, but those were, in my experience with uh, the Attorney General's office, very few and far between. We worked very hard to make sure that families that were in need had the resources that uh, would really help them. And as my time went on there, I realized that for me personally, I wanted to do something that had 
uh, much more of an immediate impact in the lives of people. And so I started to sort of look around and see um, what kind of helping profession I could go into. I had a friend at the time who was a family doctor, and he said, come and shadow me, and um, let's see what you, what you might like to do. And he had encouraged me to go to medical school, but after uh, going around with him to nursing homes, hospitals, doctor visits in his office, uh, I realized that the nursing care was really the thing that spoke to that, that need, that inner need that I felt to be of service. Uh, that, to me, was the place where I felt like my compassion, my uh, integrity, my work uh, in advocating for people, and my knowledge and skills could really be put to use. I, I really felt like that was a place for me. And so I decided to leave the legal profession and go to nursing school, which, of course, for my parents was, uh, you know, a big shift. And they were thinking, oh, my goodness, like, what's going to happen here? But uh, ultimately, I graduated from Drexel in uh, Philadelphia and uh, went on to become a uh, pediatric home health nurse, uh, a level one trauma nurse, then worked in long-term care and loved every second at the bedside. And so the transition then to legislator really is much more natural than it looks on paper when you see the background of advocacy uh, and, and sort of helping professions that I really always tried to find myself in. I knew that as a state legislator, I would have the opportunity to speak with a louder voice and a bigger platform to the people in my community who were in need and people who needed uh, support. And so that's why I ran. I said, I, I feel like I'm a good uh, voice for this, and I feel like it's something that I can do. And I decided to step into the, the fray, as they say, and I'm really honored to have the uh, opportunity to represent the people in my district and the people of the Commonwealth, really, when it comes down to it, in these issues that I think are so critical to our ability to uh, operate as um, uh, good, strong families and um, members of our community. So can I ask, where does this draw to be of service come from? You've chosen three different sort of careers that all draw on being an advocate, being of service to people. Where is that? Is that based out of um, you know, the, your family upbringing or where do you think that comes from? Uh, definitely. My, my mother grew up in uh, Buffalo, New York. She was uh, the oldest of three children to a very poor family. And uh, my mother's father suffered an injury as a child that left him as a, an amputee. Uh, he lost one leg at the hip. And so when um, many men his age were going off to World War II and coming back with um, uh, sort of the, um, the, the benefits of having been a veteran and serving the country, my mother's father didn't have that. He, he wasn't able to, to sort of exercise those opportunities that were available to other men his age. And so uh, he, he toiled. He was a, a worker. He was a small business owner, had a deli for a short time. Uh, he worked in factory jobs, whatever it took. My mother would tell me stories of being a young girl and uh, going to uh, the rural communities up there, picking strawberries, uh, picking raspberries, whatever it took to help to bring income into the family. So not only was my mother's family um, very poor, but her sister was born with intellectual disability. And so they had this 
this child of special need in the home uh, and we're struggling financially to try to uh, make a good life for all of them. My mother was the first in her family to go to college and she did so on scholarships because she studied her, her butt off in high school to be the valedictorian of her class. She went on to uh, State University of New York in Buffalo, SUNY Buffalo, and uh, did that on scholarship, graduated. She was the first person to, to get that education. And because of that, she was able to provide, uh, when, she, you know, when she married my father, she and my father were able to provide uh, a middle-class lifestyle for my brother and I. My father was an immigrant to this country uh, from Greece, came over at a time when there was significant poverty in the village that he was raised in in Greece, but came over here for educational opportunity and realized after earning a PhD that he and my mother together as hard workers, people who were industrious, smart, and dedicated could really um, build a good life for their children. And, and I never lost those lessons growing up that we are here to make sure we can uh, uplift our whole community, that it is not about one person getting an education and sort of uh, getting out, quote unquote. It is about making sure that we are looking behind us, pulling everyone that we can up with us, up behind us. And so for me, it is really um, about that. So whether I was advocating for children who were in need and families who were in need, or whether I was advocating at the bedside for a patient who found themselves uh, in the hospital unexpectedly and didn't know who was going to be at home to, to feed their pets or didn't know how they were going to ever get back on their feet to get back to work because they were a single paycheck, uh, paycheck to paycheck earner. And, you know, and, and, and I found myself in the position where I was advocating for their uh, whole life, right? Getting them back to being whole, getting them back to a place where they could achieve and succeed. And these issues of poverty and health care uh, weren't going to hold them back, weren't going to be the things that kept them from living that uh, quality of life that every one of us so, so richly deserve. Can you talk a little bit about what you do now as a state senator in Pennsylvania and how your nursing lens adds to that work? Absolutely. As a legislator, I have the really unique opportunity to uh, influence the laws that affect the people in our commonwealth from the inside. It's something I have an eight-year-old son, and when he asks, what do I do, I tell him. I go to Harrisburg, and I work with people to make the laws for our state. And what I have, I mean, it's such an incredible privilege to be able to negotiate with uh, my colleagues on my side and the other side of the aisle, to negotiate with uh, different groups that have interest in uh, making sure that when laws are passed, they are passed uh, with fairness and equity in mind. And having the ability to, to work on those things, to approach the governor and say, uh, you know, as someone who has been advocating for people my whole uh, adult career, 
to have the opportunity to have the ear of the governor to say, hey, the people in my community are suffering uh, in this way, and this is the relief that could really help them. Now, I don't always get what I want. Of course, that's part of, you know, being an adult and learning compromise and negotiation. But uh, to have that opportunity to really be in a position and a place where I'm able to voice the concerns of the people in my community at a very large level and, and you know, through a, a big megaphone is is incredibly important. As a nurse, I bring a perspective of uh, uniqueness, really. There are only uh, three nurses in the legislature, myself, Senator Judy Ward, who represents uh, Blair County, and then Representative Bridget Kozarowski in Lackawanna. And so, this, you know, the three of us, I think, bring very unique perspective. We know what it feels like to be in the hospital, um, you know, treating people during a 12 or 14 hour shift and, and making sure that we have the needs of our family met, the needs of our uh, our patients met, the needs of my patient's family met. And so all of those things really do influence the type of legislation that I vote on, that I advocate for, that I try to propose amendments to, and even that I introduce myself because it's really about what can I do, what can I bring to the table that's going to help people move forward in their lives. Uh, I will just say as a quick aside, being a nurse comes in incredibly handy. Uh, last year when we were on the floor of the Senate, our Lieutenant Governor um, unfortunately had an episode where he passed out at the rostrum, fell down, and uh, it was uh, really very, um, you know, helpful that I was there and able to to sort of get up to the podium, make sure that we put him in a position where he was uh, able to, to be safe and uh, help to, you know, make sure that he was coming out of everything okay, uh, get the fluids into him that he needed. And he, you know, of course, he didn't pass out completely. He just had a, a, a dizzy spell, really. And we were able to get him up and um, out of the Senate chamber uh, safely. But it was really uh, great to be able to to offer that experience and that expertise at a time of need and a few times uh, in my role as a candidate first and now as a state senator I have found that those nursing skills come in handy uh, with treating people um, you know at the scene of big rallies or at an event if someone uh, you know finds themselves in need of some some medical assistance so being a nurse always comes in handy. Certainly it does as a legislator as well. Nurses are never off duty. Indeed. Uh, so, and speaking of that, never being off duty, I mean, now we're in the midst of this, you know, awful pandemic uh, that's been going on for months and months and months. What are your thoughts about the pandemic and specifically related to how Governor Wolf and the state has really um, handled that response? I have to say that early on, uh, Governor Wolf and Dr. Levine, they their concerted efforts at the beginning to uh, wrap their arms around the science of this, despite that we didn't know a lot in the beginning, uh, you know, their, their willingness to enter this with authority and say, here's what we're going to need to do, and it's going to require sacrifice from the citizens of our Commonwealth, uh, was really to me, very empowering. It really made me feel like, great, we have leaders uh, in our state that are interested in the health and well-being of the people in my community. And so that was really something that I, um, you know, I grasped, grasped onto uh, immediately. I think as time has gone on, right now we're, we're sort of six months um, 
uh, past that beginning phase where we all were kind of figuring it out. I think as time has gone on, the uh, inequities that have uh, always existed in terms of medical care, in terms of uh, our communities of color and different populations being more adversely affected than other communities, those things have become even more glaring with the coronavirus uh, epidemic, uh, pandemic. And so I think what we need to do now is move to a place where we take the lessons we've learned here and implement them. And, and that means making sure that, uh, you know, we have safe staffing levels in our hospitals and in our nursing homes, making sure that people have access to quality health care, making sure that we're uh, removing uh, stigma and barriers so that people who have historically found themselves unable to access health care uh, don't have that experience going forward. That includes mental health and uh, making sure that we're making mental health care a priority as uh, we've seen our children stay home and not participate in school, not participate in summer camps. We know that there are going to be long-term uh, mental health and short-term mental health effects from that. We've got to be ready and armed to ensure that we are providing resources for people. Prescription drug affordability, making sure that people are able to access. Great, we've made COVID testing um, free here for everyone in the Commonwealth so that people can get COVID testing. Uh, let's make sure that we are, you know, those, those medications, even if they're experimental, that we're using to treat these uh, illnesses, let's make sure that we're making that affordable for people. And of course, uh, I am the chair of the Senate Aging and Youth Committee, and so aging with dignity and integrity has been an incredible um, focus of mine. Uh, and when I see uh, what's going on in nursing homes around our Commonwealth, uh, I have to say that in, in many ways, I am really, um, I'm humbled by the incredible work so many of our nursing homes have done to keep people safe. That being said, I understand the hardship that is placed upon families when they're unable to visit their loved ones because of quarantine or, you know, lockdown as we've, um, you know, sort of referred to it as. But keeping in mind the safety and health of everyone in our community, and that includes our healthcare workers who are treating the people that live in our residential facilities, making sure that we're keeping that in the forefront and understanding that the sacrifices we make now really will um, make sure that we come out of this on the other side uh, stronger, that we're able to, uh, you know, move about our communities in ways that are safe and um, with the health of our loved ones in mind. Those are all things that are going to have to go hand in hand. And so when I look at this crisis, when I look at this pandemic, I realize, as so many of us have, and uh, what I always believe to be true, that our frontline workers are, uh, they are essential. And that's not just our healthcare workers. That's people that are working in our grocery stores. That's people that are uh, working as our transportation workers, getting our frontline workers to and from home and their, their shifts at the hospital or the nursing home. Uh, that includes our delivery personnel. Uh, my own family uh, used grocery delivery. Thankfully, we were able to do that. But those people, again, that were able to do that grocery shopping and, and bring it to our home initially to make sure that we were able to maintain safety and that we were able to socially distance from others so that we wouldn't be, um, you know, unnecessarily exposing people. All of those things have really made us, and especially, you know, 
um, myself and many of my colleagues in the Senate, it's really made us stand up, take notice with wide eyes uh, about what it is that we need to do uh, as we move forward to make sure that this pandemic, despite all of the negativity that has come with it, really does have a significantly positive impact on the way that we deal with people and health as we move forward. We hope you're enjoying this episode, and we'll be back with more in a few minutes after this quick break. Hey, I'm Dan Gorenstein, host of the podcast Tradeoffs. I've been reporting on healthcare for years, and here's what I know about our system. It's costly, it's complicated, and a lot of the time, it's counterintuitive, especially in the time of a pandemic. Each week, we look at the data, the evidence, with people who best understand it and tell stories about some of the country's toughest health policy problems. Subscribe to Tradeoffs wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, podcast friends. We at the Amplify Nursing Podcast are performing a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. Please take a few minutes to tell us how you feel about the podcast. It will help us provide you a better listening experience. You can access the short survey on our website at nursing. .upenn.edu/podcast. I'm wondering how you feel about Governor Wolf's executive order regarding lifting supervision for advanced practice nurses and how that might affect nursing legislation that's currently waiting for a vote. Yeah, I absolutely look, I'm a I'm a big proponent and have been since I entered the legislature of uh, professionals uh, practicing to the full extent of their licenses. And so a, to me, uh, if it is an issue of training or testing to ensure that people that are uh, acting as advanced practice nurses have the qualifications, skills, and ability to adequately, effectively, and safely treat people, to me, that's a different issue. Uh, right now, we have uh, testing and training in place. We have entrusted our advanced practice nurses with uh, a high level of patient care, and I think they're up to the task. And so to me, this is really removing one more barrier to uh, accessible health care. So I think it's really critical that uh, we stay the course here, that we do what we need to do to make sure that our advanced practice nurses have the resources available to them and that they're able to practice uh, to the fullest extent of their licenses. You know, one of the things we've heard so much about are these communities that have been disproportionately affected because their access to medical care is, is more limited. And if we can, in this way, make sure that trained, skilled, advanced practice nurses are accessible in these communities and can provide the medical care that's necessary, then I say uh, there's no reason for us not to do it. And I think to be very honest, in my experience with the advanced practice nurses with whom I interacted uh, in, in hospital levels and in, in pediatric home health and in nursing homes, um, you know, every one of these professionals is working hard at uh, providing the best level of quality care that he or she can provide to their patients. And I am... I'm a firm believer that you don't enter this line of work unless you uh, really feel a strong calling to uh, care and care of your patient. And so, and that's, 
you know, in, in the, the whole sense of that word. And so to me, this is just uh, one more way that we're empowering healthcare professionals. And we're saying to people who want to enter this profession, Pennsylvania is a place that welcomes you. Our Commonwealth welcomes your expertise, your diligence, and your compassion, and your dedication, my goodness, your dedication to this type of work. We welcome you. We want you here. And uh, we're going to do what it takes to support you through that. So do you think then more nurses should get into politics and run for office so that they can have this type of voice to move um, these bills and these orders through? Absolutely. I think one of the things this pandemic has underscored for us really is the need for nurses to be heard in the halls of our legislature. Their experiences at the bedside uh, really can translate to transformative policy. And so speaking up and, and they don't necessarily have to run for office, although I welcome it. I would love to see more nurse colleagues in the legislature. Uh, but even as activists and advocates, they, you know, this is what nurses are trained to do. We're trained to stand up and say, wait a minute, I have looked at the, the information in this patient's chart. I've talked to this patient. I've observed him or her. And here's my, my professional expertise and opinion on uh, the best care for this person. And, and that's what our Commonwealth needs. Our Commonwealth needs the best care it can get. And we need to have people who are strong and fierce advocates for uh, quality stand up and say, this is, and quality in every arena, whether it's patient care, whether it's, uh, you know, making sure our families are thriving, making sure that our businesses and our business communities are thriving. These are things that nurses know about. We understand how all of those things intersect. I mentioned before, when a trauma patient found him or herself in the hospital bed, uh, you know, and, and me standing there, uh, you know, doing the vital signs, often they said, when do I get back to work? Who's taking care of my, my pets at home? Has anyone notified my wife? Does my job know I'm here? These are things that we understand the intersection of. Unless and until those things can be dealt with for that patient's mind, that patient's um, ability to, to heal and thrive is compromised. And so when we have nurses, and nurse voices in the halls of our legislature, we are looking at all of those facets of a person's life and figuring out how we can make every piece of those fit together to, pre to provide a, a real positive impact on people. So heck yes, nurses need to run for office. They need to uh, be advocates. They need to be activists. They need to stand up. Nurses uh, must pay attention to politics because politics is certainly paying attention to nursing. So I'm curious then, your thoughts on the ANA not endorsing a presidential candidate um, for this election. They, they haven't done that in a while, and they decided again um, not to do that for this election. I'm wondering what your thoughts on that is, um, being that nurses really should be speaking up, being advocates and activists based on the climate that we're currently living in. I have to say I find it to be disappointing because one thing we do know is that our, our current administration and our current president has, uh, you know, sort of um, pushed aside science in, in so many ways. We've seen it. It is in the news. Uh, we have lost the lives of 205,000 Americans and counting to this disease, unfortunately. We've seen other nations uh, battle this 
pandemic, and we've seen them do it uh, effectively and efficiently based on science. And so, to me, it is a real disservice to say to nurses around our commonwealth, around our nation, uh, that they they don't have a voice here because that's really what it's saying when the ANA says we're not endorsing a candidate they're saying we we don't formulate an opinion on either one of these people and I find that to be unfortunate because I don't think that I'm alone in saying that uh, many many of us uh, nurses and lay people alike have formulated the opinion that a president who doesn't operate in the time of a pandemic uh, with science and um, you know the understanding of, of healthcare efficiencies in mind is someone who is not serving the American people. So I think I, I wish they had endorsed. I wish they had endorsed uh, a candidate to say to nurses around our nation, stand up, get involved, pay attention. This impacts you. It impacts you in, in your wages. It impacts you in uh, the the patient load you're going to have. It impacts you on uh, the PPE and other equipment that you're going to need when dealing with, uh, you know, people during this pandemic. And it impacts you on, um, you know, how healthcare is viewed in this country and what your place in that healthcare, uh, you know, process really is. So I find it to be disappointing, frankly. If nurses wanted to get more involved in politics, how would you suggest they start? Well, I would say that finding an issue that is important to them, uh, whether that is nursing related or not. And so if, if it's something like, um, you know, nurse uh, staffing ratios in your unit and you find that like, hey, wait a minute, is anyone speaking to this? Uh, start right on the Internet, start researching. And are there legislators who are talking about this? Are there groups, activist groups that are talking about this? Uh, are there, um, you know, different organizations that have said, hey, this is an issue that's important to us. And again, if it's not a nursing issue, if it's wage equity, if it's uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, if it is uh, police reform, if it's criminal justice reform, start looking. What are the groups that are talking about this? And what are they saying about it? Do I agree with the standpoint that they're offering? Is this a group I'd like to get involved with? And uh, start volunteering. Just say, hey, I'm showing up. What can I do? Can I, um, you know, mail envelopes? Can I uh, print flyers? Can I make phone calls to interested parties who want to hear more on this topic? And it is something that each and every one of us uh, struggles with, right? Where do I find the time to do it? I'm working a full-time job that requires significant physical energy from me. I'm caring for my family, uh, and I have other activities that I'm interested in. Where do I find the time? And that goes really back to making sure that nurses are prioritizing their voice, making sure they're prioritizing their activism because it is so impactful. So uh, really just, just find that issue that is important to you and start researching who, who else is talking about this issue. And my goodness, if no one else is talking about that issue, then you, you start your own organization. You can start a, a website that says, hey, come and join me so that we can talk about, uh, you know, this issue that's really important. And you'll, you'll find there are other people that are interested in that. It's, it's the same thing as, um, you know, when we were in school, 
and someone said, never be afraid to ask a question because I bet there's someone else out there in the class who has the same question and maybe that person just isn't raising their hand. So raise your hand, be the first to say, this is something that I think is really compelling and it's something that impacts us. And uh, who else is out there that's like-minded? Let's talk about how to make change here. The election's coming up in, you know, just about a month. Are there any tips, any thoughts you want to relay to listeners about um, what they need to do to get ready to vote, um, either in Pennsylvania, because now we have the whole naked ballot issue, um, yeah. or just um, generally across the country? So I would say there are several things here in our Commonwealth that are really of critical importance. Number one, uh, we passed legislation that uh, changed our ballots so that there is no more straight party voting. You used to be able to go into the voting booth and press the R button and vote for all Republican candidates or press the D button and vote for all Democratic candidates. You were done, you walked out, you left. We don't do that anymore. Now you must vote every single candidate. And I would encourage people to uh, when they um, look at their ballots and they see who is uh, running for office, that they go all the way down. Make sure you're voting all the way down ballot because when we vote for president, um, that's, of course, incredibly important. But let's face it, the saying all politics is local has become a saying because it really is. And we need to make sure that we are looking at local elections, we're looking at state elected officials, and we're, we're making sure we're filling out our ballot uh, completely to vote for those people. The other thing that I would say is, as you said, our whole mail-in balloting process has changed. Uh, and I would encourage people to, uh, if they've registered to get their mail-in ballot, again, you'll get an instruction sheet that comes with that. Follow those rules. Make sure that your ballot is counted. Make sure you're getting it back early. Several of our counties across the Commonwealth have set up drop boxes so people are able to drop their ballot off. Remember, you can't take other people's ballots, but you can take your own. And then the other thing that I would say is really critically important is figure out who you want to vote for, right? Do that research. Uh, the League of Women Voters is an incredible nonpartisan organization that usually puts together some voting guides and they tell us um, you know, who is running in our area and what those people stand for, if they've been uh, legislators, what kind of votes they've taken in the legislature. So you can have a really good sense of who it is that you're, you're supporting to put into office. And you can just look up the League of Women Voters online and uh, get that information, their, their voter guide. But those are the things that are really, um, you know, something to keep in mind. And last, I'm going to say, uh, if you're healthy, if you live in a household with people who are of low risk for COVID, uh, go to the polls. It's okay to go to the polls. There are going to be social distancing measures. There are going to be uh, safety measures in place, wear your mask, bring your hand sanitizer. But of course, uh, we want every single vote to count. And we want every single person who is exercising that, you know, most uh, American right that we all have uh, to, to do so with um, uh, the knowledge that their vote matters and that their vote is counting. And so whether you do it by mail-in and you do it by looking at your whole ballot and get your ballot in early or get it to a drop box, or whether you do go in person, make sure you vote. Uh, it's incredibly important. And it's not just important for the people that are seeking office. It's incredibly important for every one of us in the community to make sure we have good people uh, with good ideas and good values that are representing us.
Well, Senator Collette, this was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and for all this great information leading up to the election. Well, thank you so much. It has been my pleasure. Um, and I, I really, uh, you know, please, I'd love to come back and talk to you another time if it, if it, you know, if we have other issues to cover. I know we always do. So it's really been um, an incredible pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, Marion. Hey, Angela. How's it going? It's amazing. How are you? I'm so good. We just had a great conversation with Senator Maria Collette, um, state senator from Pennsylvania, talking about why nurses should be in politics, the work she's doing in the Pennsylvania state legislature, um, the coronavirus, like upcoming election. It was like right in my wheelhouse. It was so exciting to talk yeah. to her. <laughs> it was a very rich conversation. And she's a really, she's a really exciting legislator. I, I feel like she has such a strong background for advocacy and it's so much about the community and making a positive impact for people and not necessarily about party politics or things like that, that it's incredibly refreshing. Yeah. And you know, the work that she's done, she was a lawyer um, she was a nurse. She's now state senator. All those things um, really spoke to her as something she can do to be of service to others. And that clearly comes out in the work that she was talking about that she's doing um, in her position as a state senator in Pennsylvania. And also like why we need more nurses in these positions. And what she said really made sense. Yeah, it'd be great to have other nurses in elected positions, but more nurses should be speaking out, being activists and advocates. And we really need to use our voices in these different ways. And that really spoke to me. And I hope it speaks to our listeners as well. Um, we really, as a profession, need to stand up, take a stand and fight for inequity, social justice, and any of the health and healthcare issues that we hold near and dear to us. I don't know that I have anything to say to that. <laughs> we should just end that I think there. You should end, I think you should end it there. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.